0: Just before beginning today I want to draw your attention to three feast days that are coming up this week. First of all on Monday the 12th of September is the Feast of the Most Holy Name of Mary. It's an important feast day to honour this Most Holy Name of the Blessed Mother and I did a podcast last year on the history of this feast so if you haven't listened to that it would uh, invite you to and encourage you to listen to the very fascinating story of how this feast day came to be in the calendar of the church. On Wednesday the 14th of September is the feast of the exaltation of the Holy Cross and the day after on the 15th is the feast of Our Lady of Sorrows and indeed this whole month of September is dedicated to Our Lady of Sorrows and I place before you and encourage you during this month to pray the Chaplet of Our Lady of Sorrows, in which we meditate upon the seven sorrows of Our Lady. So now turning towards this Sunday. In the second reading, the epistle of today's Mass, we hear the words, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. These are the happiest words that the world has ever known. The happiest words, because what we could not do ourselves has been done for us by Christ, even though we didn't deserve it. St. Paul himself was a persecutor and hater of Christians, and yet Christ chose him to be the apostle to the Gentiles. Nothing Saul, as he was called then, had done merited that call, but it came. And as a result, others, apart from the Jews, heard the happiest words in the history of the world. Because of Jesus, as Paul himself can testify, every sinner can seek God's mercy. A merciful person will find the heart moved at the misery, the suffering or the misfortune of another And wants to relieve the cause of the suffering. God's mercy is similar. With compassion, the Father sees the misery and dysfunction that sin brings into our lives. The mercy of God, though, is not so much a feeling as a state of being, it comes from God's perfect nature. Before the perfection of God, the defect of sin is obliterated. It's not by some superhero ray of light or of energy or supreme strength, but rather because what is perfect removes all defects. What makes this mercy so amazing and indescribable is that it, it is it is both general and and particular. The shepherd goes after the one lost sheep. The woman searches for a coin of ordinary value. No person and his or her misery and sin is beneath or beyond God's perfection and God's mercy. Switching our attention to Moses in the first reading, who pleads for God's mercy towards the fickle and easily distracted Jewish people, we are looking at an incident that sheds light for us upon a question both old and ever new. Does it make any sense or does it make any difference in praying to God? Various answers in the history of humanity have been proposed to this question. Some thinkers hold that human affairs are not ruled by any divine providence, they're random or coincidental, and it is therefore useless to pray to or worship any god. This answer, of course, renders prayer pointless. So those who hold this view essentially get on with things and try to do it all themselves. Another view is that all things, including human affairs, happen from necessity, whether because of unchangeable divine providence or through the compelling influence of the stars, cosmic or physical forces, the universe, and so on. This view also makes prayer pointless, but makes horoscopes or fortune-telling and the like appealing. Another view holds that divine providence Indeed, rules human affairs and things do not happen out of necessity. But they think that God and his providence can be changed by rites and prayers. This view also makes prayer pointless because if the one we are praying to is changeable, then that one isn't God because God isn't fickle or changeable. In figuring out what to pray for and how to pray, and even why to pray, we Catholics must account for the usefulness and effectiveness of prayer in such a way as to avoid imposing a fatalistic necessity on human affairs and also to avoid any suggestion that God is changeable, fickle, or malleable to our will. In his earthly life, Jesus, God with us, demonstrated that prayers are effective. He was moved by his mother at Cana to change water to wine, by the Syro-Phoenician woman to exorcise her daughter, by the good thief to remember him in his kingdom, and by many others. We know that saints can intercede for us and obtain favours, even miracles from God. Our Lord himself prayed. He himself taught us to pray and to ask for things and to beg mercy. St. Thomas Aquinas drills into the problem of whether it is useful to pray to God by saying, we pray not that we may change God, but that we may ask for that which God has disposed to be fulfilled by our prayers. In other words, that by asking, we may deserve to receive what Almighty God from all eternity has disposed to give. The same applies to begging for God's mercy, which Moses did, and we can do with confidence, and as we in fact did in the collect of today's Mass. Our prayer should be raised to God with humility and gratitude, for what we know he has certainly disposed in his divine providence will happen. He grants favours according to what from all eternity he has known about us, our needs, and our disposition. The bottom line is also that our prayers to God are good for us and prepare us for what God has designed to give us out of his mercy and love. Our prayers do not change God, but change us. Laudato Jesus Christus.